1: Good afternoon, everyone. Well, Newfoundland and Labrador, as you already know, has lots to offer residents and visitors who love the great outdoors. One of those things are the great walking and hiking trails that we have uh, uh, to offer outdoor experiences like no other. Scenic vistas, cliffside ocean views, icebergs, whales. Well, the East Coast Trail held a celebration and fundraising hike on the weekend to mark International Trails Day, which coincided this year with Tourism Week. My guest today, know a thing or two about the east coast trail they include elka detmer of points east bed and breakfast in poochco she also happens to be a founding member of the east coast trail association hello elka yeah hello pat ryan is east coast trail association vice president of trail management hi pat how are you and association president randy murphy Hello.
2: hello how are you today
1: great well randy let's start with you how did the weekend fundraiser go
2: Went really well. We had basically uh, uh, 352 out 345 children, and uh, we had a great turnout. The weather turned out to be great. It was 11 degrees out there in Portugal, Coast, and Phillips the weekend. and The fundraiser yielded it Saturday, $886,860. We're hope, we're, our, our target was for 100,000, but we're hoping that over the, between now and the early part of next week, uh, we know there's probably another five to six thousand. So we're we're hoping to hit the, say 90 to 95,000 by the time it's it, it's finished.
1: And um, Randy, I didn't catch half of what you said, unfortunately, because your your uh, cell phone line is uh, traveling in and out. There, are you in a good spot?
2: I'm in a good spot. Maybe what I can do is reconnect on the landline. That'd be better.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We'll put you on hold and our uh, producer will uh, set you up on a landline. That'd be great. Thanks very much, Randy. Well, Elka, how did this whole idea of an East Coast trail get
3: started? Oh, uh, yeah, I was living here already, uh, studying folklore at one point, and uh, when the moratorium hit uh, in 92. Uh, I became a bit of an activist. I said, I'm living here. I want to stay here for good. And uh, I want to participate in helping to keep Newfoundland uh, yeah, viable, especially the small communities, because I had moved to Puchkov, one of the smaller communities that had fishermen that had lost their jobs, and I was very much aware of this, uh, of the uh, problems that, that we had. And I ended up doing workshops all through the area, trying to introduce new ideas. Now, I happen to come from Germany, and I've lived in areas like Switzerland and California that had quite a bit of tourism, and I've always been a hiker and uh i was good friends with peter Gard at that time who was a hiker and had already produced a book on trails of the avalon and uh, we met up uh while I was trying to to you know and to you know introduce new ideas and he talked about his dream of having a consecutive trail along the uh, coastline here and he gave us a talk. I had a little group of volunteers by then here in Putiko, Flat Rock, and Boleyn in this area, and uh, we were convinced immediately uh, that we should do it. And the next weekend we went out in '94 that was and uh, started bushwhacking, cutting trail, and trying to find the old trails. And we had a lot of fun for about three years as volunteers. So that was, in my opinion, that was our beginning. Uh, The real job started later when we started getting government grants, and we had to be a bit more serious, and there were more regulations, and we had an office, and so things became uh, a bit more, um, yeah.
1: So, as you already (laughs) indicated, some of these trails already existed and some of them you had to go searching for, is that right?
3: We had, uh, oh yeah, we were bushwhacking. It was quite a fun thing in many ways. And even the existing trails, we often try to get them a bit closer to the views. Uh, it didn't seem like people were too interested in the views when they did trails between the communities. Or sometimes they were trails for berry picking or hunting, all right? So we definitely tried from day one to, to bring them close to the coast and, and to enjoy the views here.
1: So what kind of work you mentioned the bushwhacking but what kind of work went into getting this established you said it was three long years of volunteering how did that
3: all go? Oh we had uh, quite a bit of socializing at the same time you know I mean it was we went on weekends at the time most of us had jobs and uh, we generally uh, knew each other from uh, I was at the university for a while uh, we knew each other from there and uh, it turned out like my old, for example, my old neighbor, who was in the woods almost every day, but he was berry picking or cutting wood, and he said, hiking? What's that? Hiking? Never heard of hiking. You know, we were just hiking. I mean, for us, it was fun. Uh, for the Newfoundlanders, they usually love to go into the woods, but with a purpose, right? And we, our purpose was to enjoy the views and to enjoy the opportunity to to become active and healthy and, you know, kind of a lifestyle that we liked, right? and uh, no longer the necessity of of making a living, but uh, that for us, it was, uh, yeah, recreation. So there was a distinct difference between the old way of going into the woods. Uh, And uh, I mean, I still, I, I used to love berry picking. I still do that too. And the foraging has become very popular. I mean, all these things are also outdoor activities. But but the East Coast Trail was uh, an opportunity to provide, uh, you know, kind of a longer uh, experience. You could hike for four, five, six hours without problems here on the trail. And uh, for me, it was also uh, the idea of new economic um, opportunities in small communities where fishermen had to leave. I mean, 40,000 fishermen had to, or fish plant workers, had to leave the province in the first few years after the moratorium, and uh, that hurt. Uh, once we came, we, came uh, we got money from the government, actually, we, I think we had up to 50 of these fishermen and fish plant workers working for us on the trail, which was great. You know, they really seemed to enjoy the outdoors, and uh, they were basically paid not to fish for about five years after the moratorium, and that was an opportunity that they really seemed to enjoy to help work for us, to help build the trail in the beginning. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I always hoped that the communities would really participate, that people from the communities would come out and, and hike and also help us with the trail. And to some degree that has happened, but I think it could be even more so. Anyway, that's my opinion. To and, what and that to, was the beginning of my opinion. Yeah. No, for, for
1: certain. And, and did you ever imagine that it would become as big and extensive and as popular as it
3: is now? Uh, I never imagined that it would be internationally so well known. And, I mean, I have uh, I have a B&B, and I'm only really only catering to hikers from all over the world. And it's pretty amazing, especially people coming from, let's say, from Germany. They love it here. And um, it's like in Germany, you go hiking in an area like this, there would be 100 people that you meet. And here you meet nobody or one or two people. And I think there's going to be more and more, which is fine, too, because the, the trail should really be used. But uh, it's just this experience of, of uh, space and, and nature without being overcrowded. I mean, Germany has uh, is not a, you know, just as big as Newfoundland, but uh, 80 million people, if you can imagine what a difference that makes. Uh, And if you want to, if you are on vacation, you want something different from your everyday life. And they definitely get that here.
1: Uh, uh, Elka, I appreciate what uh, you're saying there. We're going to uh, take a short break, and I understand we've got Randy Murphy back on the line. Pat Ryan is also waiting, so we'll be back right after this. Join us for On Target, one hour in which Linda Swain examines topics that mean the most to you. On Target, weekday afternoons at 1 on your VOCM. We're talking about the East Coast Trail. My guests today are Elka Detmer, who we heard from in the previous segment, Pat Ryan, and Association President Randy Murphy. And, Randy, right off the top there, we had a little trouble with your cell phone. You gave out some numbers about your uh, your fundraiser, how many people turned out in that. Let's, let's hear them again.
2: Okay. Can you hear me now?
1: Oh, absolutely, yes.
2: Excellent. Perfect. Sorry for that. Uh, earlier, uh, we had basically 300. We had... The weekend base is all about celebration, as you said, International Trail Stay and, and Tourism Week. And a and major milestone for us this week that we're celebrating was the completion of the 52-kilometer section of trail from Cape from France to K- into Topsail Beach. And we got uh, 352 adults registered. We had 45 children. And they were, our target for the weekend was to raise $100,000. We came in on, uh, on Saturday at $86,860. Uh, sixty dollars we and we're hoping basically between now and into the next week early that we'll probably reach somewhere between ninety and ninety-five thousand for the event.
1: What so makes it was,
2: it, it was a great weekend.
1: Absolutely. What makes the East Coast uh, trails so special? What makes people come out time and time again?
2: Well, the, we have we have one great product out there. The development of the East Coast Trail focuses on, on what is best about this province, okay? Experience and connecting with untouched, uh, untouched natural surroundings, genuine communities, rich culture, history, and, and, and a great, raw, natural beauty of of, of our coastline. And it, it's just uh, an, amazing, it's an amazing coastline. And no matter how many times you walk the same piece of coastline, it's never the same. It's always changing based on season, weather, and, and sea conditions. And it, it's just an exciting place to be.
1: Absolutely, and you never know. You might see a rare stellar sea eagle or something. Oh,
2: guaranteed. (laughs) You know, like, you know, we we have uh, the attractions we have out there. We have uh, there's uh, seven lighthouses, two provincial parks, three national historic sites, archaeological sites, Seaboard colonies, Avalon Wilderness Reserve, Mistaken Point, military history, shipwrecks, the spout, Lamont Suspension Bridge, 500 years of European settlement, culture, history, geology. We have a, a great competitive product that really differentiates us from the rest of the world.
1: Pat Ryan, it's time to bring you in now. Um, what's the, the current size and range of the East Coast Trail?
0: Uh, the East Coast Trail, I guess, the total distance is 336 kilometers. Uh, now, that, part of that goes through the various communities that link up the trail. I think it's about 100, about uh, 270 kilometers of wilderness trail and 60 to 70 kilometers of, of urban walking. So it's a, it's a good dis. And, and the paths are uh, there are some difficult paths, but there are also some paths that are fairly easy to walk as well for families. So it's a good variety of, of walking, uh, you know, and, and length of paths if you want to try it out.
1: Easy to get to? Easy to meet those uh, trail
0: um, yeah, entrances? Yeah, uh, Trailheads trail are all in communities for the most part. There are a couple that are a little bit off-trail off, off trail and off-road. But for the most part, they're all within, you know, you drive to a community, you park your car, and you start right on the trail. It's, uh, it's very, very easy to get to very close to, to where people are living.
1: Summer and Winter.
0: Uh, we're mostly a summer and shoulder season trail. Uh, we don't maintain the trails for the winter. Now, there are people who are out there with snowshoes, uh, but you know, depending if you get enough snow. Uh, but it's it's mostly a, a spring, summer, fall uh, trail. Uh, that's what it's designed for. It.
1: So how much maintenance is needed on that kind of a trail network? Because as you indicated, Um, it's not maintained in the winter months. And of course, in the spring, we all know what happens. Um, So how much maintenance is typically needed?
0: There's a fair bit. After after the winter period, the first thing we have to do is just go out and start clearing trees. because Inevitably, you will get trees blowing down over the winter months. Uh, And of course, last fall, we had Hurricane Larry, which sort of struck us fairly hard late in the year. And that did not get fully cleaned up last fall. So we're finishing up that this spring as well. So that's the first thing we are doing is just opening up the path and getting rid of the blowdown so people can actually walk. But, you know, we have a fair bit of structures on those trails, you know, bridges, boardwalks uh, and uh, and the like. Those, I guess, they deteriorate over time. And the trail is now in 20 odd years old and some of it has been there since the beginning. So we have a lot of, a, a lot of uh, structures and assets that have to be repaired on a regular basis. And actually, it's it's a lot more than we can keep up with these days. It's uh, it's it's always seems we we never seem to have the funding or the necessary funding, I guess, to do everything that we would like to do. So you're just you're just dealing with the worst that you you have to deal with, just to keep things open and and, uh, market ready.
1: How much uh, money is typically needed for development and maintenance um, on the trail? We've
0: we've, uh, I guess in the past looked at okay, how much do we need to to maintain a robust maintenance. Uh, program each year and if we're saying between 250 to $350,000 a year will be needed for the length of, the, you know, we're talking 336 kilometers of trail, you would need that as a minimum to have a robust uh, maintenance program. Right now we're getting $100,000 a year from the provincial government, which is certainly appreciated uh, and we do, do our own fundraising like the, f- the event that we had this past uh, weekend and we have municipalities that are giving us funds as well uh, but it's, it's a struggle to get the funds that we need to, to do the work that really needs to be done. And, you know, because we'll have hikers who will say, listen, I walked this pale, trail and this poor rock is broken or there's a lot of water and mud in this area. And we say, yeah, we, we know it's there. We It's not a priority to get to it, but it takes time to to get to it. And when you fix that, of course, something else is breaking somewhere else. So it's a, it's a constant struggle that way.
1: And um, I don't know if you have the answer, or maybe Elka is best uh, uh, to answer this one, but how much money does it generate?
3: Oh, dear. You asked me that. Uh, I'm, uh, for three months, uh, making pretty good money on my guests, uh, especially like this year, it's mostly, mostly from Canada and some from the U.S. and maybe one or two from Switzerland or Germany. Uh, Normally, it's more international. Uh, We're asking for money, but it's also uh, what we do. I have two partners. We can do a 12-day through hike on the East Coast Trail with our supported hike. Uh, What we normally get is uh, people over 50 who used to go backpacking and now are a little bit too old for that, which is my own case as well. They want a bit more comfort. Often they are just recently retired. Uh, I have a young a young woman, <laughs> a retired woman who seems awfully young. Anyway, she's hiking right now from Pooch Cove all the way to Biskin Cove and beyond and does want to do at least six hours a day. Uh, but they pay money for, you know, we provide three uh, meals a day and the transportation, driving them to the trailhead and picking them up again. Uh, and for me, it would be, um, I'm getting to the point where I really would like to retire. Actually, this is a call out to, could somebody take over my job in the north area, north of uh, St. John's area? My other partners are situated around Petty Harbour and in Port Curvan, and uh, we just, they stay here for three or four days, then go on to the middle section, and then, to the south section but we do the driving and we do the three meals and the accommodation and the entertainment I mean the talking sometimes takes more effort than you think uh, and it's great in the beginning and, and the end of the summer but in the middle you kind of know that you repeat yourself so often it becomes a kind of tiresome at times but I've had the best encounters uh, with wonderful people hikers tend to be a very nice public and of course, when they come to a community, they do spend money, and if it's only to buy their beer after the hike or a bottle of wine, but uh, and they're very nice encounters usually. And they often, when they come here for let's see for 12 days, they may want to stay on in St. John's for a few more days, and uh, or they may even travel through the province if they can ever get a rental car, which is right now totally impossible. But if they book early enough, I say, well, yeah, you know, get your rental car right now. And then maybe I design them a trip to go to Gros Park or even up to Labrador. Sometimes people come for four weeks and uh, we are only one part of it. But we are one of the big attractions. OK. How Especially
1: does the word care, get out? High. How do people, I mean, obviously you have your contacts uh, in mm-hmm. Europe and the like, but how generally does the word get out?
3: A lot of it is word of mouth. I've done it for 20 years. Uh, it's a lot of word of mouth. And I have a guest book that's full of wonderful comments, and people love it here. And uh, when they come to Puchko, for example, I mean, there's a lot of artists here. And also the people tend to be really friendly. And there are three stores here. I mean, they go to the stores, and even Mm -hmm. buy a chewing gum or whatever, but they talk to people. And they really, really like being here. And, uh, yeah, I mean, they don't necessarily come again because hikers go all over the world. But... uh, They have been such really good contacts, and some of them have become friends.
2: In in addition, Linda, we've gotten great coverage over the past 28 years internationally in terms of uh, print magazines, television, radio, and and, uh, it served us extremely well. We did a a benchmark study in 2013. We had MQR research do it for us. In that year, basically, uh, there was 15,000 hikers on the trail in that year, and 58% of them for, were from outside the province. And their, their contribution to the local economy in, in 2013 was $3.55 million. So that was a significant amount of money.
1: That is extraordinary.
2: Yes.
1: And, of course, the, the, the pictures alone speak for themselves.
2: Oh, guaranteed. We, we, we've got a phenomenal product, and it's an easy sell. And it's uh, just a combination of uh, just people uh, passing word of mouth from hiking uh, friend to hiking friend and, and all the media coverage we got, plus the, the provinces basically ad campaign basically over the past 10 years in terms of focusing on community, uh, coastline, nature, culture, history. Uh, it's, it's what our product's all about, and it served us extremely well.
1: My guests today are with the East Coast Trail Association. They include Elka Detmer, Pat Ryan, and President Randy Murphy. We'll be back right after this. Got plans for midnight? Bring your VOCM along with the best soundtrack for every night, anywhere. The VOCM All Night Show. Midnight on your VOCM. And we're back. My guests today are with the East Coast Trail Association, Elka Detmer, Pat Ryan, and Randy Murphy. And uh, Pat, are all users of the trail hikers, or, or are other users welcome as well?
0: No, well, all users are welcome. Um, you, you have your hikers, but you also have, because the trail goes through a lot of communities, you'll have just local people out who may be just walking their dog or out for just a stroll. Uh, so you'll see, they may not do the full path. They'll just maybe walk out so far to a viewpoint and walk back again. So it's a, it's a pretty good variety of, uh, of people who are using the trail for sure.
1: And what about this whole issue of um, all-terrain, not all-terrain vehicles, but uh, the, the bikes, the uh, mountain bikes and that yeah. sort of thing. Are, I know that there's been some uh, effort to try and get them included on some trails. Is that generally welcomed?
0: no i guess the the east coast trail is a pedestrian only trail and our and actually our license to occupy crown Land specifically says that that, that we are a we're a pedestrian only and the structures that we build on the trail are designed for walking it, they're not really they're not really made for i guess bikes riding on the trail it's, it's not it's I guess the trail is not made for bikes. That's a short way to put it. We do have some bikers who are using the trail, uh, and we do have some bike trails that intersect with the East Coast Trail, and that's that's acceptable there. That's not an issue. But uh, with, with, especially with hikers, they're not expecting bikes to be coming down the trail, so it can be a safety issue as well, right? I guess with the safety and the fact that we're not actually designed for bikes, we we, we sort of do not support bikes on the trail, I guess, uh, you know, we are just, we just pedestrian-only trail, really.
1: And when it comes to safety, really, you know, I've been in this business a nice while, and I have a job to come up with any examples off the top of my head of uh, very many people who've been seriously hurt on the trails. Uh, you get the occasional sprained ankle or people who become exhausted or whatever or don't know their own limitations, I suppose, and people have to go out and, and try and uh, get them back safely. But uh, overall, it's been a relatively safe experience, has it not?
0: Yeah. It has, yeah. We, you do hear from time to time of people who, you know, wander off trail, make it lost, or people like it. It's, I mean, it's it's a uh, it's rough terrain. You know, there's stumps, there's rocks, it's uneven ground. So people will turn an ankle or, or twist a knee and, and that type of thing. And sometimes, you know, it requires someone to come in and actually help get them out. But as far as serious injuries on the trail, I again, I can't think off. I can't think offhand of any that I'm aware of. Uh, so it is it's it's just being prepared i guess if you're if you're out there if you are walking the trail just having the right footwear the right clothing and and sort of doing a little bit of upfront uh you know Checking to make sure that you know where you're going, how long it's going to take you, have you brought, you know, your, your, some water and, and snacks to be, so just being prepared uh, and you should be okay.
1: And knowing your own limitations, I suppose, and, and knowing what the trail is like ahead of you. Some of the trails are yes. a little tougher than others, is that right?
0: Yes, correct. For example, the spout is a very popular path because of the, you know, the, the geyser itself, and a lot of people say, I'm going to go to the Spike spout on Saturday, but the spout is a 16-kilometer walk, in, you know, to get in there and and get back out. So it's, uh, you really do have to be prepared and and the weather can change and you have to, you know, so it's it's just knowing where you're going and knowing the distance that it is to get to it. Uh, That's why it's good to have maps. We, we provide maps to people uh, so they will know what to do, even checking our website, I guess and just seeing if there's any any anything anything I guess they're saying this trail is closed, or this trail is uh, is you know conditions on the trail. It's just doing some up upfront prep work before you leave just to be safe. Footwear. Yeah, there's uh, we we, I guess we're saying people should have pro- proper hiking boots. Uh, they don't have the big kind, but they have to have some ankle support so that you won't twist an ankle. Uh, that's the main thing. I guess it doesn't have to be a, a high boot, but uh, at least the ankle support, just to, that's the critical thing. I and have yeah, a uh, dressing in layers. I guess dressing in layers. Yeah. you can take off if it gets too warm, or at least you've got the clothing if it starts to get. And you're out by the coast, and it may not be nice and warm and sunny here in town, but when you go out near the coast, and the wind it gets cooler so you have to be prepared for
3: that
1: I have a bad fashion of suddenly saying I'm going to go over here now <laughs> and do this yeah. and yeah. uh you know wearing whatever I am wearing I remember one time going out in these little uh flat shoes just you know regular little common shoes and uh, yeah. <laughs> oh I soon regretted that decision
0: <laughs> yes well, I'm, I'm hiking on the trail and you'll meet some people who obviously when you look at them what they're wearing uh, you'll say well they didn't really think about where they were going but they're, they're slogging along and hopefully they they make it out okay but the, you increase the risk of, of, of doing something that uh, you know causes some problem afterwards
1: right Randy tell us about this new part of the trail you mentioned it before but wh- what kind of features does it have what does it look like how long is it
2: it's uh, 52 kilometers long it includes three paths white horse pico's ridge and uh, and a longshore path uh, you start at Cape St. Francis and head to Balleen. It's fairly rough terrain, lots of ups and downs, uh, great vistas and views, and, uh, and, and uh, a, 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 a rugged section of coastline. As you come into Balline and transition into Pico's Ridge, it's, uh, it's uh, difficult at, at the beginning, but then you get into flat, even ground that takes you down into Porcelain Cove Road, co- into Porcelain Cove, and then basically you move on along the coast into St. Phillips, uh, very flat, even terrain, and the same thing as you head into Topsail Beach. So a great variety of hiking anywhere from easy to, to, to difficult. But uh, well worth the trial, well worth the effort. And as Pat was saying, uh, if you plan to go out there, make sure you check out and understand the trail you're entering and uh, what's involved, the length, its duration, and, and what your fitness level is uh, for the task ahead.
1: Are these trails based on anything? or You know, you're just sort of feeling your way along, I suppose, in a lot of ways. But are, are they based on any kind of trail networks anywhere else in the world? Do you take any cues from that?
2: Uh, when b- Back in uh, 94, 95, 96, when we were looking basically at the developing this, the, the construction standards uh, for the trail, we looked around the world and we looked primarily, the two we came down to follow we basically looked at the Appalachian Trail in the United States and the Bruce Trail in, in Ontario. And we basically modeled our, 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 our standards after those. And that gave us an initial start and we've been devol- developing and evolving our standards ever since. So we got right now we've got about 26 years of experience with our construction standards out there and uh, they're serving us well, but we're always going to look at them and say what's failing and what's, what's working and, 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 and continue to change. Because one of the prevalent problems that's come really sort of significantly in the last couple of years, basically, is, is the weather. And the weather changes, the high winds, uh, the amount of, amount of, um, the amount of uh, rainfall and things along those lines. So water is a major issue that we have to manage all the time.
1: And I was going to ask you that. You know, what are some of the hazards that people might encounter? But weather is a big one, of course.
2: Weather is a big one. Be, be, as Pat said, being prepared. Know where you're going. Know what you're facing. Uh, bringing the gear with you that you need to basically transition across that space uh, safely. And, uh, and a key important is basically is hike with a buddy and let people know where you're going and when you expect to come back. Uh, and so that if you, if you are delayed and they're not here for you, that they will go looking for you. And they know where they tell search and rescue where you went and when you were expected to, to exit.
1: And I guess don't take any unnecessary risks. I think a lot of Newfoundlanders and Labradorians are very respectful and and understand the the situation, especially along cliff faces and that sort of thing. Um, you know, they don't tend to venture too close to the edge. But uh, somebody who might not be familiar with this kind of terrain might feel, you know, a little more emboldened. I suppose
2: exactly. And we always recommend people to stay on the on the path. Uh, the path basically is conditioned for for the hiker. Uh, it keeps them a safe distance away from. The- benches, and uh, if they do that and take our maps uh, and and follow them, uh, they'll have a a, a wonderful and safe trip across our, our, our trail.
1: My guests today are with the East Coast Trail Association. They include Elka Detmer, Pat Ryan, and Randy Murphy. We'll be back right after this. Take a break. Join us weekdays from 1230 to 1 p.m. as we discuss anything and everything that's happening now. It's all on the table during your VOCM lunch break. My guests today are with East Coast Trail Association, Elka Detmer, Pat Ryan, and Randy Murphy. And Pat, uh, how important are other partners? I'm thinking in terms of um, municipalities or even ground and rescue uh,
0: very important actually um, the munici- you know the, the trail goes through 24 municipalities and communities uh, along the eastern coast of the Avalon. So the support of the, commun- of the municipalities for basically, well, funding of course is one thing, but also when they do their uh, their municipal plans, that they they make reservations for the trail, so that you know the land is preserved uh, and there for the trail for people to use it as uh, a, it won't be developed. That's important as well, right? Uh, we do have regular meetings with the uh, the search and rescue people just to be sure that. Uh, you know, if there's any information that they need from us in order to help find people on the trail, then we can provide it. And of course, we uh, would like to get feedback from them as to what happened on the trail. If they do have to go out and rescue somebody, or well, what, what led to it, and is there something that we can change on our end that will, you know, make it less likely to happen in the future? So there's there's always a partnership there with uh, with uh, those groups as well, right? So it's, it is important for sure keeping the trail uh, the way it should be.
1: I was speaking to somebody over Christmas, and she uh, she encountered a little trouble again out to the spout, not quite realizing how far it was and how what kind of an effect that might have on the old uh, legs, I suppose. Yeah. And, and uh, yes, she had to make that call, and uh, Jack Hickey was that smiling face that brought her out.
0: Yeah. yeah, and I guess the thing with search and rescue was just knowing where the person. And unfortunately, in some places, cell service is not available on the trail, so it. Uh, It's, you know, how do you find someone if they're out there? You know, we have a general idea where they are, but not exactly where they are. So it could be a challenge for sure.
2: But the, Linda, the partnerships are critical to our long-term survival. Like our, our initial dream basically was to build the trail, to get it there, and we've succeeded in that. Now basically we're focused on sustaining it over the long term. And, uh, and partnerships are critical to that. They're how we work with uh, the communities, the businesses, uh, the various levels of government basically to make sure that we are able to sustain and make sure that trail survives and is there for future generations.
1: Uh, Randy, I don't know if it's you or Pat can answer this one, but uh, now that you've got this new trail uh, portion of the trail open, uh, any other big plans ahead?
2: You no, know, where, where we are right now, the, 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 the overall concept for the East Coast Trail is 540 kilometers, okay? Uh, that extends from Hayden down to Jopasi and from Macrafort across the Avalon Wilderness area to Pasantia. But where we are right now, we have 360 kilometers of trail delivered to market, and we're stopping down here until we can prove that we can sustain what we have before we expand any further.
1: Uh, For sure, and that requires a bit of money. So how is the money raised, generally speaking?
2: Well, the fundraiser we just had this past weekend is critical. Uh, We we have to, like... uh for every dollar we raise at that, at that fundraising event, which was $86,000 approximately this weekend, we, we can re- leverage up to nine additional dollars from other federal and provincial programming. Okay, so, so uh, and, and we need to bring money in to qualify for the, the 10% or 20% of the funds that we bring to those programs has to be from non-government sources. So corporate fundraising and, and events like this past weekend are, are critical to basically get the, the minimum amount of money we need to qualify for funding from the federal and provincial government.
1: Elke, you you get to talk to people who use the trail uh, regularly. Uh, What makes the East Coast Trail so special, so important? What do people tell you?
3: Uh, Yeah, of course, uh, the scenery is fantastic and uh, a lot of variation on the scenery. You don't have that too often. and uh, the I, also that uh, you do it almost, you are alone. You're alone in nature uh, most often. I mean, it's rare that, that you meet other people on the trail. Uh, it's such a long trail that uh, people disperse. And especially up here between uh, Puchkov and Cape St. Francis, it's not as much traffic as maybe around Torbay. I'd say, you know, uh, that is a very good experience. Um, and, yeah, what, uh, what else can I say? I mean, I, I love it myself, of course, uh, and I have hiked all over the world, but uh, it's sometimes so crowded and you have to put your name in months ahead of time. When I was in California, Yosemite Park, I mean, you had to put in your name maybe six months ahead of time to even get in there. Here, you don't have to do that. It's free, you know? Mm -hmm. You come in and out, and uh, what a wonderful thing to do. Uh, Many parts of the world, you now have to pay entrance to go into even a small park. And and here, we have it right in front of us. And it's it's, uh, ours. You so, mentioned um, the
1: variation, and, and it's not until you hear somebody from any part of this world coming in and, and talking about that variation, because it's not just a steady, always uh, uphill climb, or downhill for that matter, or flat, it's up and down and out and uh, over yeah. and over and up and down, and it's, it, it just keeps you engaged and keeps your, yeah. your brain working while you're, while you're walking along.
3: Of course, there are lots of things to see. I mean, we have already seen a few whales, and I'm waiting for the icebergs, which often enough get stuck here in Putkov, but not yet. You know, we're kind of waiting for them. But the joke is, too, like somebody comes, like this woman who's here right now, and she says, oh, I'm doing 25 kilometers a day. And I said, well, we don't really measure. The, I, I measure it in hours. This, this trail takes about six hours. But it looks on the uh, map at just over 10 kilometers, but it's up and down around coves. And you don't run it, except, you know, the, we've had a few trail runners doing it, too, and I don't quite understand the concept of running the trail. I mean, why would you run it? But they had fun, too, and they really enjoyed the trails well we had a group of 12 last year that uh, came from all over the world too and and they absolutely loved it but uh, basically i believe in enjoying your time on the trail you know taking in the views and the viewpoints and uh, and being a bit more leisurely but uh, some people are more ambitious than others but the idea of doing 25 kilometers a day is just not right for the east coast trail and I'm trying to tell that to people, and they first don't believe me, but I give them a test hike from Puchkov to Cape St. Francis usually, and by the time they come back, they know a bit more. And then I say, well, next day we do a few hours here or, you know, more hours, <laughs> depending on your ambition and your fitness. That's, that's usually what I like to do. And they also have to immediately sign a waiver that they do everything on their own risk, okay? I find that important, and we've, at one time, had to look for people once only once and I'm so glad that was only once but all night we were looking for them and they were hiking in an area that wasn't ready to be hiked and this is now the area that has been open now and uh, it was a desperate night I mean, we were really worried about them and uh, they got out because they saw there's a marine park between Puchkov and Boline with a big water slide. They saw the water slide in the distance, and they had it towards that, and we, they got out by themselves. But meanwhile, we had looked all night, different groups of people, um, including our own team. It's quite a while ago now, and it went out. I mean, it, it was okay. They were very apologetic afterwards because I had told them not to go there. And they were a bit too ambitious, you know, so you have to get to know your people. The first day is always a bit tricky. I want to know when, how much can they really do and how fit are they, all right? So that is usually my job. They usually start the whole trip here up north and then they go to south from here.
1: It really is amazing, though, how quickly the Newfoundland uh, um, wilderness can swallow you up, and I don't think people understand that.
3: And if you don't see the ocean, and if the fog comes in, I mean, even people who grew up in Pushkov get lost here in the woods. You know, we we are right on the edge of the wilderness here, which I absolutely love, but... uh, yeah, you have to be prepared and have to be cautious, you know. But and I'm—if anybody hikes alone, I'm happy to have the cell phone number. Of course, you can't always reach them, but uh, we know where they should be, at least where they should be. If they don't come back, we know where to look. And luckily, it's only happened that one time, and that's in 20 years. So that's a pretty decent record, I would say. You know. Do you get reports on uh, wildlife encounters? Uh, not too often, but uh, during yeah, I mean, our season's usually over by the end of September. Also, I mean, hiking can be great in October. But when the moose get uh, into rutting season, that's that's not so good. (laughs) You don't want to encounter them there. Uh, No, there is not too much wildlife here anymore. I mean, the moose seem to have become a bit more sparse lately. But you see the occasional fox and then, of course, birds and the whales, you know. But uh, it's not huge what people see on the trail. You see moose droppings fairly often. And I think the moose like our trail, too. (laughs) <laughs>
1: of course they would, Randy. Um, uh, on the uh, Elka, of course, is talking about the northern part of the trail. But on the southern part of the trail, we've been hearing some reports about bears. Have you heard anything lately?
2: There's been uh, reports of bears, uh, but but uh, none confirmed, or we haven't seen the. We we hear vague encounters of of, of, of bears on the trail. Okay, especially down around the uh, the uh, the middle section, okay, around Cape Royal and Aquinas an area, but uh, nothing has materialized Pat and uh, can you remember uh, any real sightings of bear along the trail so far?
0: Uh, not offhand, no they, No, they, no Every every summer there seems to be someone who says they thought they saw a bear on the trail And of course we'll yep. put out a warning just in case yep. uh, But then no one else sees anything afterwards But uh, I'm sure there are bears out there But uh, Usually, usually most animals when they hear people walking through the woods They will keep their distance anyway it, uh, but sometimes if you're a solo hiker and you're quiet, it's possibly you could come moose or a bear or something like that.
1: Well, it, it's so exciting. I'm so glad that uh, all three of you could join us today on the show. Elka Detmer, Pat Ryan and Randy Murphy with the East Coast Trail Association. Happy hiking.
2: And and if I may say one closing remark uh, to you, Linda. Thanks for having us very much. So, And uh, we're basically a member-driven, volunteer-based registered charity. And uh, we're always basically sort of there. uh, If you want to become a member, $25 a year gets you a member. If you want to make a donation to us or any other contribution, uh, we're only willing to listen to you and bring you in and and engage you as a volunteer or as a member. And uh, we welcome all contributions.
1: Thanks to all three of you. Really appreciate your time.
2: Okay, thank you, Linda. All of us. Bye bye.
1: And we'll be back tomorrow. Stay tuned for another show then. Thanks for listening, everyone.